Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I am sitting down with my good friend Josh Long discussing spring, Kotlin, and everything else in life. Hey, Josh. Hey. How are you, buddy? Good to, good to see you. Good to hear from you. Yeah. it's uh, It's been a long time since we've actually seen each other. Ah, too long. Way too long. And it, 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 it's only been like 70 trillion years since last year. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and now it's going to be private. like, what, 140 trillion years seeing, seeing the world situation? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like this last three months has been, I just can't, I can't even, I can't even, uh, I can't even wrap my mind around how much we've gone through as a planet, you know? Yeah. Uh, it used to be the only thing that we used to all get around. Well, most of us anyway, was a uh, Eurovision, right? And then the Olympics and, and that's kind of like it. I don't know what else, what else united us in, uh, against or, or for something, you know, but now we have something new, uh, a pandemic. I mean, of all the things that you could think that could happen, like this was the last thing in my mind. Someone said to me the other day, they're like, (laughs) have you seen the movie Contagion? I'm like, I don't need to. It's outside my freaking window. Like, why would I sit and watch a movie about this? Yeah, it's it's insane. I I just came. And do you ever have those discussions with your family where it's like, uh, is it happening to you as well? I mean, like, I've had these very surreal conversations with my partner and my kid where we just do a sanity check and just make sure we're all on the same page. We're staying inside because we're ordered to by the government. Uh, countless people are dying all around the planet. There's a virus that's plaguing every community in the planet. You know, and it's not a dream. You keep waking, you keep expecting to wake up and it's just some sort of thing, but nope. nope. Yeah, I know. We no. watch it. We started watching with my wife, uh, the crown the other day. Oh, so good. And uh, yeah, it actually is. It's uh, engaging. And uh, we were like, the the third or fourth episode was the the great smog of London. I'm like, oh, how appropriate, you know, people dying from lung uh, infections. It's like, (laughs) good. Sure. Anyway. Um, But yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, if people aren't aware of it, there is a pandemic going on. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that anyone that's listening to this podcast probably is aware. So I'm actually wondering if anyone is any more listening to this podcast because that's another thing, right? Because with yeah. all of this uh, stay at home and work from home, people don't seem to Less be time. listening to podcasts anymore. I noticed that too. I, I, There's even a poll. Somebody was asking about that on Twitter today. Uh, and the answers were indicating that, yeah, people are listening to us. And I've noticed that I've had a slight dip in my listenership as well, uh, which, you know, I can completely understand. And it's, I, I even listened to a fair number of podcasts and they've been talking about how they noticed that because of the current circumstances, they've had to, you know, they're, they're basically soliciting the Patreon contributions, but they're, they're, they're saying we're very mindful of the fact that things are very different. And if you can't submit or can't contribute, that's fine. And, you know, every little bit helps and all of that, which makes me think it's not just the tech sector that the tech sector podcasts such as ours that are so afflicted it's oh no most definitely i i i would probably even say that maybe outside of the tech sector it, it's even more right because you know that yeah i mean we are in our own little bubble right and and at the end oh, of yeah. the day we've got our uh listeners and but you know there are way more successful podcasts out there than those that are in the tech sector Oh yeah, uh, which certainly. are you know people that the majority. Aren't, yeah exactly, and, and 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 the majority of people are now at home. I mean you know, so yeah, which is crazy. 
I used to commute a fair bit, right? You do as a well, fair right? bit, right? Like every yeah. every every other day, you used to fly transatlantic. That's a that's a fair <laughs> bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I had I had a plenty of time to uh, soak up Audible eBooks and podcasts and all that, and and I for the first few weeks I kind of just forgot about it, and then in the last I don't know two weeks because we're entering week four of lockdown here in San Francisco, but my family and I we withdrew from public life a week before that because we could see we you know we could see how the, the the tide was turning, and so we knew we we better get out before the virus gets us, uh, and so. A couple weeks ago, I just started actively finding time during the day to listen to stuff because I, you know, I live in San Francisco. Uh, even the largest of homes here in San Francisco are shoeboxes by comparison. And so, you know, while I love my family very, very much, it is nice to just be able to escape and listen to something for an hour, uh, you know, or two. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. that's the other thing. Like, people don't understand sometimes how uh the majority of folks especially in europe also live right i mean you know i was yeah. i was talking to someone just recently about house sizes and i said you know the your average apartment here uh in 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 europe with a family of maybe like two adults and two kids is if they're lucky at least in spain here it's about 60 square meters which is about i think 1100 square feet or something like that right yeah which is considered quite small in comparison to what folks have in the u.s totally yeah. except in san francisco that's considered quite good that's a yeah a that's luxurious. like a mansion right that, that's like yeah. a luxury apartment <laughs> yeah my place is 78 79 square meters yeah um, and uh, there's three of us plus a dog and a guinea pig uh, they don't take a lot of space. Okay, the guinea pig has to go. Like, nope, <laughs> it, it's not going to fit. It's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> the guinea pig is the... She's our... She's, our, she's my favorite... Uh, Kid? Because... No, no. <laughs> no uh, the, kid's a, the kid's awesome, but the the critter, she's a... She's, she's just infinitely cute, and she's quiet, and she's just happy for any attention, you know? Yeah. And uh, sometimes... I, I don't know why that's so... Uh, mesmerizing for me just to find something that's just always happy to hang out you know yeah that's uh, kind of like my dog my dog is always like every time i'm pissed off or whatever she's always like hey you want to cuddle i'm like uh, yeah, yeah whatever can do yep anyway yeah. um but outside so, of the virus <laughs> there is also another world and this world is called Kotlin, and your world is called yeah. spring and we decided to bring the two worlds together and call it uh, a spring Kotlin or Kotlin in spring which is very appropriate because yeah. yep. we have actually entered spring a few days right. ago which which is uh today by the way a date of recording is the second of april uh, uh -huh, so uh -huh. we recently entered spring around the world and uh, so what's and the equinox yeah which is by the yeah. way if people don't know listeners don't know it is also the iranian new year uh ah, which, yeah so the the iranian calendar actually starts on what would be the equivalent of ours of the 20th of march which is essentially mm -hmm. when spring comes in that's when things start to grow except this right. year but anyway uh so <laughs> yeah so what's been going on with you oh wow uh, i've been so uh, Right now, I'm seeing this, you know, I, I'm seeing it every opportunity. I'm seeing all these different opportunities to use Kotlin, you know. And, and so everything in the spring portfolio has been, uh, you know this. You had uh, Sebastian Deleuze, I think, on the show. Yeah, many uh, years ago. Like, I think he was yeah. on one of the first shows that I did. Right. 
good choice. He's great. If you could have gotten, if you can't get him and you can't get like a hundred of the people, I'm definitely the person to get, but, but you already got the best. You can now settle for the rest. I'm happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, I couldn't but, get you, but, Josh. Oh, yes, you could. Uh, <laughs> it was just, I, I screwed that up. Oh, but people don't know this. Actually, I did screw that up. This is the second time we're actually taking a chance on recording this. Uh, I, uh, I missed our last attempt. Uh, that was my, that was my idiocy. I apologize for that. Um, so, so anyway, yeah, we, he was on there a few years ago at the, at that point, um, the state of Kotlin in spring was really, really new. Right. Uh, and now my goodness, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere. You know, we have a spring cloud Kotlin DSL. There's a spring integration DSL in Kotlin. There's a, obviously the spring reactive web support, uh, in Kotlin is, is there. We have full coroutine support, uh, you know, all the way through, if you're using a reactive stack, you can just use coroutines instead, or in addition to basically. So you're, you get, you get a you get reactive behind the scenes, but you use uh, coroutine. So it looks like a nice imperative API. Um, and, you know, I, I, just the whole portfolio everywhere is, is Kotlin now. And um, I don't know, just felt like a really nice time to catch up. I don't know where, where, where people are in their familiarity with all this. I know you have a, a lot of different people who come on your amazing show to which I listen, by the way. Uh, who talk about their use and on on occasion uh, it's Android and on, on other occasions it's Spring, right? So there's Kotlin plus Wildcard, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I think that every pro- pro- I would probably say the majority of the shows that I've done on backend, the combination has always been Spring and uh, Kotlin. Uh, I mean, right. well, okay. To be fair, like I, I've never had anyone come on the show that says, "Yeah, I'm using Spring with Java," because then what are they doing on the show? Uh, but no. <laughs> What I what I'm trying to say is that like the majority of backend users that at least I've interviewed are using Spring, yeah. And and it it kind of surprises me as well because you know you've just said so many things that are available for Spring with Kotlin mm-hmm. and that yep. are Kotlin specific, and yet still I get questions from folks of oh does Spring support Kotlin? And I'm I'm wondering, it. like, you know, what, what what where are we failing here? Like, where where so, is the failure of of people not being aware of this? It's partly, uh, you know, I I, I partly uh, take some of that blame. I feel like I could do more, uh, but I don't know. It's been on the spring. So can I just rehash, kind of like absolutely? Here's my perspective. Here's my perspective of things. You know this. I suspect your listeners know it. Just in case, um, and again, I. I'm going to say 2016, maybe it's 2017. Let's say 2016 and then I can be wrong. Okay. I'm I'm happy to be wrong. But years ago, we added support for Kotlin on the spring initializer, but that was prior to, no, actually it would have been 2016 because it was before spring framework five, which came out September of 2017. So we had Kotlin support on start.spring.io. Yeah. Which I remember that. Yeah. And that was there before we had any support in spring framework itself. For Kotlin, that is to say, you could use Kotlin as just another JVM language, right? We, alongside Java and Groovy, and um, and that was fine. Obviously, Kotlin plus any library is still a nice experience, right? But there was no, there's nothing in the jar that was written in Kotlin code. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, yeah. So that was, and that still was a nice experience, and people enjoyed it, and I was really pleased to to see that up there, and it worked. But then 2017 uh, September. We released Spring Framework Five. Now, Spring Framework Five 
ships a whole bunch of extension functions uh, for for various Spring APIs, including <laughs> like including um, registering beans, right? Like the actual act of telling the framework about where your what your objects are, uh, and then including the web stack. So, and these are not separate jars. It's not like a Spring, you know, framework hyphen Kotlin jar or something like that. It's actual Kotlin code co-located along the Java code. So if you add the reactive web stuff onto your class path, you've got Kotlin code there. You, you can't do anything with it unless you're using Kotlin, but it's there in the jar. It's just there no matter what, right? It's in the framework. And that means that when the team that works on Spring, uh, like you know the illustrious Jürgen Haller and all these others uh, work on Spring framework, there's Kotlin code that they might have to update or change, right? Because it's, yeah. it's so important. It's so integral to us. It's in Spring framework itself at the heart of that, of that library, you know, of those libraries. So that's been there. But that was a foundation, right? And since then, my goodness, since then we've uh, we've uh, extended that support to um, to Spring. We, we well, we added coroutine support that was separate that came with one point three, right? Um, and it was in there as preview, obviously, uh, for a while. So we had that, and then we we had uh, we actually have a we we built a Kotlin first micro framework called Spring Foo F U functional, right? Spring functional. Although I I grant you the name is a little. Uh, you know, could have picked it up at a bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, oh God, bad yeah. joke. Never mind. <laughs> oh, I thought I was the one having the late night. And then, uh, and then uh, we had the microframework, and then we added support for Kotlin in Spring Data. There's actually a Spring Data uh, DSL you can use for, for example, when you talk to MongoDB, you can use a MongoDB uh, BSON. You know, like uh, you can use a predicate syntax that you would use in JavaScript. You can do basically the same thing in Kotlin, and, and it works, right, for queries. Um, we have a DSL in Spring Security. I did a Spring Tips video on that one just recently, actually. We have a, uh, a DSL in Spring Integration. I've just finished recording that DSL, that, that Spring Tips video as well. Uh, we have a DSL in Spring Cloud Contract, so you can now express your contract definitions, not just in Groovy, not just in Java. Well, before it was all it was Groovy, but then we refactored the the mechanism for that for, for how you express those contracts so that we could you know, su support a number of languages, Kotlin and Java and uh, YAML are, uh, are all supported, right? But Kotlin is the one I'm interested in. And then uh, what else? I mean, my goodness, just- So tell me how you feel about YAML. I'm joking. Um, yeah. <laughs> so actually yeah. this is a lot. This is a, a lot of stuff that, and, and uh, let, I wanna go through some of this, right? Sure. Um, so ju just a quick question. And this isn't necessarily Kotlin related, but how many people actually use the Spring Initializer, like the start.spring.io? Millions per month. I don't know the exact numbers anymore, but you know, I haven't asked in six months, but it's millions per month uh, to generate new projects. And um, you know, every time we tweet those numbers, somebody invariably asks, oh, well, how many, what percentage of that is Josh, right? Or Starbucks man or whatever <laughs> uh, on Twitter. You know, because it's, it's where I go to all for my all my demos, and I, it's it's not me, man. It's 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 an, it's an awesome place to just get started. And what I think people like about it, and again, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. Um, is that while it does do some code generation, it's almost nothing. <laughs> it's it's not even it's code that if you wanted to write by yourself, you could do it from memory. You know, it could after a few tries, you'd learn how to do it. So. You know, the hardest part of any code-generated Spring Boot app is the Maven build. Uh, if you choose Kotlin and you choose Gradle, we generate you a Gradle Kotlin build, in which case you could definitely do that from memory, right? 
So yeah, it's it's also more about. I, I think one of the very useful aspects of it is exposing all of the functionality and features that are available. Right, discoverability. Uh, absolutely. Exactly, discoverability. Uh, it's it's very it's very very early morning for me. My words fail me. Uh, it's it's this is so unfair. You're like you. What are you drinking right now? Uh, do, do you really want to know? Yeah, it's not coffee. I'm uh, I've been uh, I've been indulging in a little bit of escapism. So because of the pandemic, going back to that for a second, uh, because of the pandemic, uh, I figured well I've got some downtime. Uh, I'm gonna work on my book, my reactive spring book, which will have a Kotlin chapter. Uh, I, well, it's already got some of it. I'm gonna work on learning Chinese, like I've always said I wanted to do. Uh, I'm going to work on polishing up some some projects I've got that have been, uh, you know, begging for some updates. Um, and I'm going to learn how to become uh, or how to make a competent uh, tiki drink, right? So uh, tiki drinks are, they're drinks that are meant to evoke the sun-swept, wind, you know, sun-kissed, wind-swept beaches of, of Polynesia or or the Caribbean, right? So uh, wow. you, can, you can imagine drinks with little umbrellas in them and... Uh, uh, I just figure if I can't get to the Caribbean and to a nice beach safe from this pandemic, I'm going to at least drink the drinks that remind me of that experience, uh, however ridiculous that is. And so I've been making pe- uh, tiki drinks, learning about them. And, uh, you know, this is called a painkiller. Um, it's 9.30 in say, the morning and I'm drinking a cup of tea. <laughs> I don't even have an umbrella in my cup. <laughs> I can't. I can't even go and buy an umbrella to put in my cup because then the police would stop me and say that's not a first necessity. Right. right. right? Yeah. Well, I don't have. I don't have umbrellas. You know, priorities. Oh, okay. for, for the li- for the listeners, you're in Spain. I'm in San Francisco. It's late at night for me. Very early in the morning for you. Yeah. Uh, just so people don't think I'm day drinking. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Dude, you know, anywhere it's it's five o'clock in the afternoon somewhere, right? <laughs> It's like I'm oh, still, and you've traveled so much that you can just say I'm just on a continuous jet lag. Cool. Not anymore, I'm back to normal, man. I'm not looking forward to getting back on that plane. I know, uh, right? Having... It's like it's it. It feels kind of like I I really like uh, this not traveling. Like I was saying to to right. my boss a couple of uh, a, a couple of months ago. It was like three weeks <laughs> ago, four weeks ago. I was saying, you know, because I'd actually cut down travel this year, and I wasn't. I only had like three things scheduled and I said, I really enjoy being at home and, and some <laughs> external forces kind of saying, well, we make sure you will be at home for a long, yeah. <laughs> long time. Glad you enjoy it. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually the other thing is with all that downtime, my goodness, I've been, uh, uh, the other thing I've been looking at is just some of the new stuff in Kotlin because that's the, the gift that keeps on giving, you know? Yeah. Um, so I have a question for you. Yes. Go ahead. I have a question for you. Is, has anybody made the Android R8 optimizer work on just like a regular backend Java app? Or do it need to be on Android toolchain to make that work? I have no idea. I That's don't know a pretty sweet piece of kit right there. Uh, really amazing piece of software. Um, just just some interesting things you can do with Kotlin, you know, and uh, uh, I don't know. Cool stuff. There, uh, the other thing is I've been looking at is these contracts um, in... 1.4, right? Uh, I didn't know you could do that kind of stuff with a language before. I had no idea. That's just super cool. This idea that I can tell the compiler, you can help disambiguate things that the compiler might otherwise flag as errors because you know that, you know, for example, variable is not going to be assigned more than once and uh, you can treat it as valid even though it's not being initialized in the constructor, things like that. 
really, really just amazing. Yeah, the the the, the concept of contracts actually been around for so long, and and C Sharp brought it in at some point, mm-hmm. uh, and it like they were really hyping it, and then suddenly it just vanished. People stopped using it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's come there. But okay, so we've got the Kotlin initializer that's being used a lot, and then you introduced oh, yeah. uh, Spring. Uh, so one one thing that I want to actually ask about is in 2018, you we were talking about coroutines, and then there's of course uh, Reactive Spring and Spring Foo. How do right. all of these kind of like work with each other? You know, where where, where does each one of them sit? Okay. Good, great question. Uh, actually, let me get back to one other thing. The spring initializer, I've said millions, that's total, not just for Kotlin, but the second most popular category of project after Java uh, by far is is Kotlin. So uh, just so. And there's only go. two, no? There's Java and Kotlin. <laughs> well, there's, there's Groovy as well. Okay. Um, yeah, but, uh, but anyway. Um, so contextualizing where these things fit, you've got Reactive Spring. Reactive Spring isn't a thing Exactly. It's it's that is to say, all the projects, if 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 appropriate, support reactive programming, right? So you can use Spring's web stack, Spring Webflux, and I would and that and that's that actually has <clears throat> uh, a reactive web runtime, and you can use that. Uh, and there's even a DSL in Spring Framework that lets you use it. That in a more um, we have a functional reactive style that you can use, uh, an, an endpoint model that looks more like Sinatra or Scalatra or, or um, uh, Express or, uh, you know, these kinds of, you know, functional st- style web frameworks. We have an endpoint model that looks kind of like that in Spring Framework 5. There's a DSL in Kotlin, right, uh, that you can use from Kotlin. So it's like it's like playing a video game where you have these secret levels that you can un- un- unlock if you if you write the code with Kotlin. Yeah. And um, so so for uh, users that may not be familiar, uh, you know, if users, did I just call our listeners users? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, for users of Spring that uh, that may not be familiar, generally in Spring Boot, for instance, you have if you want to have end routes to align with customer actions, you would basically create a, a customer controller class and then inside there have your different mm-hmm. routes, right? And yeah. with the Spring Foo, it's more kind of moving towards essentially functions being those endpoint routes without the classes. Well, yes, but uh, that, that functional style, that functional style that I just described, that's actually part of Spring Framework. You don't need Spring Foo, so I'll get to that in a second. Right? Oh, okay. Spring Framework Spring Framework has the functional style that's, that's available in Java and there's an even more concise, even more expressive DSL in Kotlin, but they're both part of Spring Framework itself, the, the granddaddy of all Spring projects or grandmother of all Spring projects, the, the foundational layer on top of which everything else sits, right? So that's in Spring Core, the very beating heart of the ecosystem. Uh, then we have, and so when I say we have reactive support there, what I mean is the reactive types from the reactive stream specification or, uh, you know, if you're on Java, if you're on the JVM 9, there's Java util concurrent flow dot asterisk, right? Those types are also supported in our web tier. So you can actually write code that that accepts and returns publishers and so on, right? Um, so that's inside of Spring Core. On top of that, we have Spring Boot. Now Spring Boot is an opinionated approach to the Java ecosystem or to the JVM ecosystem, right? And so Spring Boot gives you a way to say, hey, you've got um, log4j on the class path. We'll go ahead and configure logging for you so that it does the right thing for the 99% case. <clears throat> or if you've got um, Spring Data on the on the class path, we'll go ahead and and you've got a and you've got a few properties that specify where a MongoDB 
instance about labor, where a Cassandra instance might live, or where a PostgreSQL uh, might, instance might live. If you have those properties specified in a property file, we'll go ahead and automatically configure a connection factory or uh, you know, a data source for you, right? And, uh, and so on. So the, it, it pulls together all these different things, and we have auto configurations for, my goodness, just everything, you know, like uh, MyBetis and Java OQ and, and JPA and, and you know, all sorts of, we have Jax, Jax uh, RS and uh, Springs Stack and just everything, right? But that's very opinionated. It's very much sort of like you just add the thing to the class path, maybe maybe a sprinkle of properties, and ta-da, you have a working integration. You can just start injecting interesting collaborating objects from those projects into your code base, right? Yeah. And uh, on top of that, on top of Spring Boot, we have other projects like Spring Cloud. So there is no such thing as separate Spring Reactive or Reactive Spring. If that's just a, a thing you can do in all the different Spring projects, including Spring Integration, uh, Spring Data, Springs Web Tier, uh, and so on, Spring Security, et cetera. All these things know about reactive programming. They know about these reactive streams types. Then we have, on the other side, we have this thing called Spring Foo. Now, Spring Foo is more of a, a, a peer to Spring Boot, right? It's a, um, I guess it's fair to say, it's a research project. It was a, it answers the question, what it, would it look like if we built a micro framework that had no opinions, but that was written Kotlin first, right? So it was as concise as possible. So you basically had to opt in to everything, but you could do so in a very, very, very concise uh, type safe way, right? Uh, what would the performance implications of that be? What would the DSL give us if we did that? What would it look like to to support that? You know, um, and and interestingly, that's also the first place we we built a framework where we had no assumptions about reflection and proxies, right? We had none of that by default, or almost none of that, right? Basically, down to basically zero to the point where even when we first released Spring Foo, you know, years ago, you could do Growl native images, right? It just worked, right? Yeah. So, so this is a nice, nice project. Really, really interesting, I think. And it and it brought in the uh, Kotlin DSL from Spring uh, Framework, the reactive functional reactive endpoint style that we have there. It brought in the re it basically it assumes reactive, but because it assumes reactive, and because we have extension functions and we have integrations in the Kotlin world, and because it assumes Kotlin, uh, the native sort of approach to doing any kind of data access and any kind of web services is to use coroutines in Spring Foo, right? The coroutine support is also baked into Spring Framework itself. That's, a, again, it's in the Spring core. So you can use that right now in Spring Boot if you want from Kotlin. Um, and you can have the opinionated approach. But if you really want to just control every little aspect of the uh, of the application and you don't mind writing a few lines more, not, not really a lot by any stretch, just a little bit more, then Spring Foo might be exactly what the doctor ordered. So how long did it take for you to essentially bake in coroutines? Because that, well, I mean, did it, are, are you providing a facade on, on, on what you had or have you actually gone in and, you know, changed stuff under the covers to use coroutines? Um, it didn't take too long. I think it's because we had really great help from the Kotlin team, right? This is one of the things I've always talked about Whenever I do my presentations, I talk about Kotlin, you know, I do online trainings uh, 10 times a year, uh, you know, for O'Reilly. I do uh, conferences and I do workshops and it's in my demo. So one of the things I've always, and I, I do talks, you know, and I do spring tips. I did like five or six spring tips videos last year uh, with Kotlin. So whenever I talk about Kotlin, one thing I like to remind people of is one of the biggest features of the language is not so much the syntax, which of course I love and I and I appreciate the speed of the 
tooling and all that is, is certainly not to be a to be a dismissed. But one of the things I love about it is is the team, the people that work on it are are just eminently pragmatic. You know, they want to make Kotlin the best best approach, the best uh, choice for building Android applications as much as they care about building the best, making it the best choice for backend applications using Spring as much as they care about, you know, the whole ecosystem. They don't have a, I don't, I don't think they've been very dogmatic, you know, like there's no, Yep. it's not like, it's not like, uh, I, I've never had any, anybody be dismiss, dismissive or discouraging to, to newbies in the community. I've never, never heard them say, oh, it has to be reinvented unless it's uh, done in the Kotlin-esque way. You know, it's just been very friendly and, and, Productive, right? Yeah. So, so the team has always been very good with the Spring team. They've always, and and Jurgen's talked about this. We, we're all just so impressed with how um, uh, accommodating yeah, the Kotlin team has been. Right? They they really care. They really are willing to make changes. And we've always been so impressed with how quickly the Kotlin team turns out new releases. That you know, I can't imagine having that kind of feedback loop with the Java uh, language. We, and, and Java the language is moving really quickly these days, but still. You know, six months is not the same as some of the release times we've had with Kotlin. We, my goodness, we've talked with the with the Kotlin team. We've had conversations where the idea started, and then six weeks later, it was it was in a release. You know, yeah, uh, that's that's crazy. It's wonderful. You know, so I don't think it took that long. But what we did was we adapted these reactive types. We created an extension function uh, that turned these reactive types into coroutines. So it's actually it it we solved the problem for the reactive streams types, just like we did it in Kotlin X, right? The Kotlin X coroutines project, we did it as a, uh, as an adapter, right? And um, uh, that once you solve it for any reactive stream type, it solves it for everything, right? So uh, for anything that is built, in, built on that. So it's not just our code, not just Spring, but anybody that's using reactive suddenly gets coroutines by, by virtue of those, uh, those extensions there. So uh, it was very easy and the team, was, the team was great about helping us make it work and make it work right and so on. So I think it turned out nice. Cool. And that, uh, I think it's great for the team to hear this. Of course, they would have to first listen to my podcast. In fact, I'm not going <laughs> to pass on the compliments. I'm like, you want compliments, you listen. Huh? You know what? That's I, it. I'm a big fan. Um, we are big fans. Now, another thing that you've mentioned quite a few times is the word DSL, which for me is awesome, right? Because every time I have someone on the show and they're doing something interesting with Kotlin, I'm like, have you thought about using a, creating a DSL? And they're like, hmm, no, I haven't. Maybe I should look into that. That sounds interesting. And yet you're like, we've got a DSL for this, for security. We've got a DSL for inter, uh, integrations, for contracts. Mm -hmm. So you're making heavy use of the DSL ability of Kotlin. Yeah, absolutely. And if I'm honest, uh, not for nothing, but there's no, there's no mandate. You know what I'm saying? Spring is pretty good. Like if Jurgen said, if Jurgen or somebody else on the Spring team, you know, from the core on up, says, "Hey, we should prioritize reactive." Right? Uh, we do that. Right? That becomes a thing that we do, uh, and all the projects sort of integrate that, and it's it's manifest in the subsequent releases. So, you know, there's always these themes. Jurgen talks about themes, uh, and. Uh, we we you know spring is unified that way it's very nice you can use all these different projects and they work in a consistent way they feel well integrated uh, and so on despite being separate projects with separate teams and separate life cycles and so on there was no corporate mandate there was no like open source mandate there was nothing from on high that said hey Kotlin must be supported right we must have a, a nice DSL for everything it's just something the different teams have just sort of like 
oh, this looks really nice. Let's just do that, right? So there, it, there was no, for example, so there's no analog uh, in Groovy, for example. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's it's pervasive, the DSLs for Kotlin. They're, they're in virtually every project. That's not the same for the support in Groovy. Um, it's just been really, you know, it's so easy to do it, right? With Kotlin's ability to have extension functions that have as the receiver the the object that would otherwise be a context object that you pass in, right? The that 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 plus the um, the things like you can have a lambda outside of a function. These kinds of things make it super trivial to build these really really nice DSLs. And so I think the the teams have just sort of just sort of uh you know taken it on, right? And um, if there's been a delay, it's only because they had a backlog, not because they didn't have interest. It's just been uh, you know it's, uh, like Spring Security. There's some really nice DSLs there. That didn't exist uh, a couple of years ago, both for Java and now for Kotlin, um, just because we have we had a new team member come on board, right? So that kind of thing. You know, it's just a matter of you know balancing the the uh, backlog. What is a team internally using mostly? Are they writing code mostly in Kotlin or Java, or is there a mix and match? Uh, you mean for the frameworks? Yeah, most of the most of the code is Java because we we are a uh, we consider that like the lowest common denominator, right? Everybody, everybody can consume it from Java. But then, uh, once you have the working uh, framework, we can make it so that we can write these extension functions, we can write these adapters, these DSLs to kind of smooth the edges for the Kotlin user. Um, sometimes that's easy, uh, and then sometimes, like with core teams, it's a little bit more, you know, uh, expansive. Nice. So what is in plan? Is there anything you can share in terms of what's coming up? Nobody tells me these things. <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the um, spring, in spring, spring integration DSL is uh, not yet GA. It's out there. I don't know if people have been, I think we just announced it as on a as a bullet point on a blog recently. So that's something I would definitely encourage you to try out. Spring integration, for those of you who don't know, is sort of like, a, it's an enterprise application integration framework a bit sort of a bit like uh, Apache Camel uh, and um, we, we, we we created it in 2006 or 2007 and it's just been a very interesting project and it makes it it makes obsolete the uh, enterprise uh, service bus or the enterprise application integration server from days of yore and uh, uh, we've always we, we've, we had it we had support for XML a decade ago more than a decade ago um, that then morphed into a Java configuration DSL, and then it morphed into a, an actual f fluid, you know, functional DSL with Java eight and lambdas. Uh, and now we have Kotlin, so we have some. We have this project is, it's all it's it's. What I'm trying to say is it's all DSL. Spring integration is nothing but DSLs. There's a bunch of libraries and and uh, support underneath the hood, right? All these things, that, all the batteries that are included. But in order for Spring integration to work, to do its work. It has to make it easy for the user, that's you and, me, you and me, to think about higher order things and then glue them together, right? So you can't make them wire up objects. It has to be a, a pipeline. It has to be a flow, right? You have to describe a, a graph, basically. You know, messages come from RevMQ, then they go to uh, to an FTP server, and then they go to an email server, and then they get back, and you have to do a claim check and a splitter and an aggregator and all that kind of stuff, right? So. That's 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 not something you want to describe in a low-level sort of uh, you know approach. So we've always focused on having DSLs. We had XML schema uh, DSLs for that. We had uh, 
uh, you know, the Java configuration fluid DSL and then the uh, functional DSL and then uh, now the Kotlin one. And that's really exciting. You know, it makes it even, it's, it's the point where now where I can do, you know, I can do in spring integration what would have taken several consultants and hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in some of the older application integration servers, you know, of your things like web methods and TIPCO and what have you, right? It becomes it becomes just a quick quick hour or two at the at the console with Kotlin. And now something more related to things that you're doing, uh, which is you know creating educational content and and helping people develop, uh, learn and and develop applications with Spring. One of the things that I most admire about, uh, I mean, on, on Spring in general, but one of the things that I really like are your documentation and specifically your guides i think that the guides oh, are yeah. are awesome uh like you know you can basically go there and find essentially any kind of thing that you would want to do right mm -hmm. uh whether it's you know configuring authentication or using auth or configuring uh databases anything yeah and and it's very very nicely done yeah. And like one of the things Thank that you. I really liked about it is that, for instance, you know, it, it allows you to switch from Gradle to Groovy and, and has code snippets that you can easily copy. Uh, mm -hmm. But one aspect that is lacking, I guess, and I don't know if this would help in a way contribute to that issue that we mentioned initially of like, why aren't people more aware of the first class support that Spring provides Kotlin? Or that Kotlin, mm -hmm. or that Spring provide. Yes. Anyway, yeah. um, you know what I'm saying. Yes, sir. Most of the examples, I would say, like if it's fair to say, ninety percent of the examples, if not more, are all Java. Mm -hmm. uh oh. Is there any plan to kind of show this with with Kotlin? Uh, not that I know, but we could do it. Like, I, I guess it's just sort of a matter of like time. Yeah, but actually, we have. I think we have one person that maintains these guides. So let me just go on the record and say, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. So when I was when we when we first introduced the uh, the guides back in 2013, say, um, I was like, nah, that's never gonna fly. It's never gonna catch on. That's not a good idea. Like I was I was on the wrong side of it by a lot, right? And uh, there's a a legendary engineer on the Spring team, a guy named Chris Beams, who was one of the one of the you know he was actually. He worked at uh, Gradle for a while. He's the reason he worked on the uh, Kotlin DSL. Uh, speaking of, oh yeah, I, I remember uh, Chris from uh, from uh, Gradle. Yeah, um, he he was on the Spring team for years. He he precedes me on the Spring team, right? He was there for a long time, but he left uh, and then worked at Gradle. And uh, I'm not sure what he's doing exactly right now. He's had a bit of a interesting run. One one of the most brilliant people, you know. And uh, if you if you use Spring, you'll see his name everywhere. So. Uh, he's like, hey, you know, we've got this thing where people are using it, but they're confused by the multitude of choice, you know. So uh, why don't we make it easy? Why don't we give them, you know, these small, self-contained, 15-minute long, make it wiggle style guides, right? Just yeah. make it wiggle. Or don't, don't. It's not a singing, all singing, all dancing demo. It's just here's the bare minimum you need to get something to work, and then you can control space your way to something else working from there, right? But you want to see the basics thing work in the hello world of various disciplines of, of building an HTTP API of talking to a database of whatever. Right. Uh, and so he pioneered that he galvanized a bunch of people on the team to work together. 
uh, and it came out, I think you'll agree, amazingly. Yes. But because, because they're so good, um, we've had some people, including actually uh, JetBrains. JetBrains, I think, contributed and maybe, I don't know, maybe maintains the guide on using IntelliJ. Um, we had we had, uh, we had folks from Vaden contributed guide, for example. I mean, there's some uh, participation from other people in the ecosystem, but basically, they're their maintenance, right? We don't, there's only so many ways we can tell the, the, the hello world first three steps of any given framework. Uh, so we don't actually have a whole huge, we have like one person, I think that works on it actively. So I think really it's at this point, we just need resources or, you know, people, money or, people, yeah, we humans. call them people. Human we don't call them resources. Yeah, I didn't mean human beings. I meant like, we just need whatever it is that makes that, that happened. Yeah. People yeah. would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People it's just, nice. I, I just wonder like how much, uh, you know, you could, you could pump this through the, the automatic converter. I, I don't think it would work <laughs> because it, it would be like, Oh, this, this kind of looks like I'm writing uh, Kotlin in Java or Java in Kotlin. Uh, yeah. Although in, that said, you know, that the spring framework documentation has Kotlin now. Yes. Yes, that's uh, a Sebastian ridiculous. started working on that some time ago, right? Yeah, well, that's a that document is north of a thousand pages. It's huge. Yeah. So, like, I don't envy anybody who's ever had to do something to the whole document, right? Uh, I've contributed small chunks here and there. I've made small changes, but to say, I, I, Rob Winch, he's the lead of Spring Security. I think he was the one that actually got that thing converted over to ASCII Doctor years ago, and I just remember thinking, "Crikey, you know that's." That's insane. I, a thousand pages, you know, and it's a manual process basically. So there was that. And then uh, Sebastian and I suppose others helped get it moved over to support switching from Java to Kotlin as well. So, you know, we, we, we like it. We like Kotlin. We wish it, we, we wish we could we put it, we wish we could put it in every single place. Uh, I guess we just haven't had the people uh, to do it for these guys yet. Yeah. Cool. Well, now you're the, you're not on the road. You know, Josh. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Are you finding that you've got more work now that you're able to just sit still and? I am finding that. For having, I'm finding week? that I'm way more productive. Uh, Me too. But but okay, with a caveat, like this past yeah. couple of weeks haven't been easy um, because no. of the situation, right? Uh, you know, right. That, and I think that many of us have have dropped our productivity levels. Uh, quite a bit but you know like last month uh, because it, for, yeah. since january I, I basically haven't been well actually since kotlin conf i haven't been traveling that much uh, and yeah. i felt so much more productive but the, the the silver lining of it believe it or not i've actually been able to write more code so i'm like every day now i'm writing code which is awesome you know sometimes yeah. i just get lost and i'm like oh i got so many other things to do it's like no let me continue to write some more code uh, right. so, <laughs> Yeah. I yeah I just I my list of like hey I've got time for that it keeps growing bigger and bigger to the point where my Mac now has stickies you know the stickies app uh, yeah the little post-it notes uh, I've got dozens of those and I've got GitHub issues that I've been filing and just just you know to do lists and simple note I've just got so many things I'm like I could get to that I could get to that I could get to that you know uh, and uh, but obviously you're right the last few weeks have been well for me. So the last few weeks, the last month, right? The last month has been pretty traumatizing. But at some point, once I realized that San Francisco was under lockdown, I started to breathe very easily because that's as much as I think 
any of us can do is just to stay inside and get out of the uh, circulation, right? And so I thought, well, okay, that's as much as I can do. I guess I, I guess we just see what happens now, right? I don't, I, unless I can figure out a cure, which I'm woefully unqualified to do, you know. So I, I, I was just able to surrender to it, and um, uh, you know, I've just been embracing my productivity. It's been a nice distraction, let's put it that way. Um, yeah. But I understand that for a lot of people, uh, increasingly large numbers of people every day, that 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 ability to just ignore it is simply not an option. Yeah. Obviously. Especially if it affects your community. Yeah. Or you. Yeah. Let's hope it gets. So, let's hope it resolves as soon as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not what I meant by going viral, and nobody wants to go viral like yeah, that. I know. Uh, it's something shouldn't be open sourced. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Just terrible, but uh, I hope I hope we'll meet again. I I've been watching. That's another thing I've been doing. I've been watching those videos from Kotlin Conf, uh, twenty nineteen. A lot of good stuff there. Yes, uh, you know. Yes. Usually it takes me a whole year to finish the last year's Kotlin Conf videos, but I've already, you know, plowed through twenty of them. You know, just uh, uh, a lot of fun. I actually a made it videos. a habit to to watch uh watch a talk every time I was doing uh, some exercise at the gym. Of course, yeah. that stopped as well. Uh, so, yeah, me too. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah. I've had to learn to do yoga in my home and, and to do jumping jacks and push-ups. Uh, yeah. And today I took, Tammy, I know you can't do this. You're in Spain, my friend. I Like, you can't go out, huh, for like exercise, huh? No, we're not allowed. We're allowed to walk the dog, but it's got to be like within 50 meters of your house. Like you can't re really go for a long walk with the dog. Uh, plus, it's been Spain where, I mean, where I live, it's normally amazing weather. The past yeah. couple of weeks, Paradise. it's just been rain and, and rain and rain as well on top of that, right? So hopefully it'll start clearing up. And, and we Actually, can I, can I tell you something? Sure. For me, for us, for my for my girls, my my partner Tammy and and our daughter, uh, for us that those rainy days are the best because we weren't going to go outside anyway, right? Like we none of us want to go out in that in that soup. It's the really like today was a really blue and beautiful day, and it can be kind of depressing to think, gosh, I wish I could be out there, you know, sitting in a park with somebody, you know, just hanging out. Like, yeah. Just those are the ones that are depressing. Today we took a walk which we can do we can we can get exercise but we've been so scared that we basically just stayed inside for weeks at a time um and so today was our first walk in weeks you know beyond one block you know uh or one quarter like a, normally we don't even leave the building we just go out to the balcony and just soak up the fresh air from there but uh today we took a walk like three blocks which is a uh, makes all the difference in the world a little bit of sunlight but most days that sunlight's actually very dispiriting because you you can see what you're missing. We're out of time. Well, we're over time, uh, but it's always great chatting with you. Uh, so, likewise. Yes, and uh, until next time. Hey, thank you so much uh, for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. It. I love your show. Thank you. You're the one and my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Take care.